Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit here with us now. Please speak to us through your word and give us ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I don't know what your experience has been like with Christians, but I would suspect in a room like this, there are some of you who haven't had very good experiences with Christians. You've spent enough time around them, and maybe you haven't been terribly impressed by what you've seen. And maybe you have some stories to tell, and they aren't pretty. Maybe you've been hurt by Christians, disappointed or wounded even. I don't know what your experience has been like with the church, but I would suspect that in a room like this, there are some of you who haven't had very good experiences with the church. You've spent enough time in them or around them to know that they can be pretty hurtful places sometimes. Maybe you've been disappointed in them, wounded even. And if that's you, if your experiences with Christians or with churches, if your experience has been mixed at best or painful at worst, then maybe you're not sure what to make of all this this morning. Maybe it's hard for you to focus. Maybe it's because you haven't always liked what you've seen. So come back to Jesus. Focus on him. Behold his courage, his sacrifice, his kindness, his mercy, his brilliance. Behold him. Come back to Jesus this morning and this holy week. I want to say something to every person in this room this morning, whether you're eight years old or whether you're 80 years old. You might come to church every Sunday. You might avoid church as much as possible. I know a lot of you, but I don't know all of you, but I know enough to know that all of us have seen enough in the church to know that the church isn't perfect. Things go wrong, sometimes really wrong, and it's heartbreaking. And what I want to say is this, look at Jesus, focus on him, behold the lamb of God, behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world because he'll never fail you, he'll never disappoint you, he'll never hurt you, and you can always trust him. How do we know this? How can we really know that we can trust him? Well, it's not by focusing on other Christians, that's for sure. And it's not by focusing on the church. It's by focusing on Jesus. And over this next week, over what we call Holy Week, beginning today and ending next Sunday on Easter, we see everything we'd ever need to see to prove to us that Jesus deserves to be our focal point. And by making Jesus our focal point, by making him and his life and his death and his resurrection, by making him the center of our lives, we are forever secure. And only Jesus gives us this kind of security. Only Jesus demonstrates to us perfect love. And it's only Jesus who puts his money where his mouth is 
and rides into Jerusalem knowing there is a price on his head. And he says, in a sense, here I am. Look at me. I come to bring peace. That's why I'm riding on a donkey, not on a horse, in case you're wondering. I come to bring peace. I come to die. I know what's coming. I know the evil plans and evil schemes that you have to take me down and shut me up. So here I am. And here we go, Jesus says. And here is where we see everything we'd ever need to see. Look at Jesus. I'd like for us to briefly consider at least two things we see when we look at him in our Palm Sunday and Holy Week drama today. And the first thing we see is Jesus in command. Jesus in command. If you have a Bible, I'm going to read a few verses from Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to start at verse 29. It's okay if you don't turn there, I'll read it. When Jesus drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. Jesus is not a bystander to the events of Holy Week. Jesus is in command of the events of Holy Week. Jesus is the star of the drama, and he's the director of the drama. He's the protagonist in the story, and he's the author of the story. And this is made evident to us, even in such details as Jesus telling his disciples to go get him a colt, a young male donkey. And Jesus' command of even such a detail of that extends to him knowing where the colt is tied, knowing that the colt had never been ridden before. This isn't someone who's surprised by anything that's going on. This is someone who knows everything that's going on. He knows everything that's happening. Jesus in command. And he knows that there's a price on his head. We know this from John's narrative. John chapter 11, verse 57 tells us, that the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, they should let the Pharisees know that they might arrest Jesus. Jesus knew this. He wasn't stupid. And so eyes wide open to what awaits him, Jesus directs his disciples to go. Untie a donkey. Bring it to me. If they ask you why, tell them the Lord has need of it. And then instead of sneaking into Jerusalem under cover of darkness... He would ride in to shouts of Hosanna, to the waving of palm branches, to the rejoicing and singing. In the light of day, Jesus comes right through the front door. He's in full command. Keep this in the back of your mind this holy week as we journey together with Jesus to the cross and the empty tomb. He knows where the donkey is. He knows who his betrayer is. He knows there will be a boy carrying a jar of water. He knows there will be a furnished upper room there. He knows that Peter will betray him. He knows that Judas will betray him and Peter will deny him. He knows even such details as when a rooster will crow. He knows that he will die and he knows that he will rise again in three days. Look at this Jesus. Focus on him today. 
and this holy week. He deserves to be our focal point. And he's proved that he is Lord, Jesus in command. And the second thing we see when we look at him this morning is Jesus in the center. Jesus in the center. Verse 37, as Jesus was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus is at the center of the triumphal entry, fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy from 500 years earlier. Jesus is at the center of the Passover, of the Last Supper on Monday Thursday, fulfilling in himself all the promises of the Passover. Jesus is at the center of the sham trial that they put him on, fulfilling the prophecies of Isaiah, who had written earlier, quote, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, he opens not his mouth. And Jesus hangs on the center cross, fulfilling by his perfect life and his atoning death all that the law required. Receiving upon himself all the punishment for all of our sins and granting to us the forgiveness that we could never earn. At every turn of every story, from the Garden of Eden to Noah's Ark, from the sacrifice of Isaac to Israel's deliverance at the Red Sea, from manna in the desert to water from a rock, from God's promises to Israel, from his promises to the prophets, from, a young, from young men in the fiery furnace, to Jonah in the belly of a whale, and from a donkey to the cross, to the tomb, and to his Father's right hand, Jesus is at the center of it all. The writer of the book of Hebrews says it this way about the supremacy of Jesus. He writes, long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And he goes on to say this. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature, and Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Several months ago, I spent the better part of a Wednesday in an emergency room. There was a family in crisis, and I was privileged to be with them most of that day as they walked through it. And as I walked through the hallways that day, on into early hours of the morning even, because I was wearing a clergy shirt and my clergy collar, different people would ask me to to pray with them. One was in there for alcohol poisoning. Two were in there for attempted suicide. And another that I spoke with was the spouse. And in every single one of those situations, I can't tell you how grateful I was because I had no context. I didn't know these people. I didn't know all that was going on. But I knew for certain that Jesus was in command and that Jesus was in the center, that he was worth crying out to, that Jesus saves, and that's what we celebrate today. We don't gather together on days like this or this coming Maundy Thursday or this coming Good Friday or this coming Easter to commemorate past historical events. 
like we're just opening up a Wikipedia entry and reading it out loud together and singing some hymns. We celebrate that our King Jesus saves and our King Jesus lives and he keeps on living and he keeps on saving. And so we can keep on living because he keeps on living and we can keep on living because he keeps on saving. And so we say, blessed be the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be our King who comes to save. Blessed be our King who came to die. Blessed be our King who came to rise again. Blessed be our King who's in command of all things. Blessed be our King who reigns forever and ever and ever. Blessed is our King who is the head of the body of the church. Blessed be our King who is the center of the church and the center of the universe. Blessed be His name. We come to celebrate that Jesus saves this Sunday and on Thursday and on Friday and next Sunday and every Sunday and every day for the rest of eternity. Jesus lives and Jesus saves. It's why we can say in Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. And in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. So here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground, his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, till bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave, he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, and I'm bought with the precious blood of Christ. And so... No fear in life, no guilt in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Don't know where to look, look at Jesus. Don't know where to focus, Focus on him. He will never leave you. He will never disappoint you. He will never hurt you. And he will never let you go. So today, in this holy week, look at Jesus. Focus on him. Let's pray together. The Lord Jesus, we... We thank you, we praise you, and now we ask you, help us to see you, help us to focus on you. We pray that today, we pray that this Holy Week, and we pray that for the rest of our lives, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, we would look full in his wonderful face that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.